I'm just an old country boy, raised up in Prospect, Tennessee. <clears throat> I get up and try to do a professional service like this and beat and clang and carry on, and I turn around and my wife just laughing at me. <laughs> she, she loves me though. I promise she does. But it, uh, um, it is funny for me to be up here trying to do stuff like this and know that I, I'm a nobody, I'm a nothing, and sitting here trying to do something as significant as the Lord's Supper. That's, a, um, that's an amazing thing when I think about that, that I'm actually doing this. So grab your Bibles, turn to the book of Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 and 25. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 and 25. When you get there, stand one more time for the reading of God's Word. It says, let us consider how to stir... I'm sorry. Yes. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. You can be seated. This morning I'm going to take just a few minutes and I want to talk to you about the doctrine of church membership. Before I start, I want you to know this is not a um, commercial for Wells Baptist Church. That is not the purpose of this. We have been in a study of doctrine and basically, I just want to show you about the doctrine of church membership and why we do that and where that comes from in the Bible. Because there are many churches that don't do church membership the way that we do it. Um, there are many people that disagree with a local church membership. I want to explain to you the doctrine of church membership and the way that I believe that the Bible teaches it. You know, even in the perfect sinless garden of Eden. It's perfect, it's sinless, and yet God looks at Adam and the first time that he says something is not good is when he sees that Adam is alone. It's perfect, it's sinless, there are no flaws, and yet he looks at something and he says, that's not good. And the thing that he says is not good is for someone to be alone. Now we take that all the time as being marriage and absolutely he was talking about marriage. He said I will make him a helpmate but here's the key to it. He means the, the fact that even if it weren't for marriage, even if you are a single person here this morning that is not meant to be married in, by, in the will of God or in the grand scheme of things, he would still look at you and say it is not good for you to be alone. We were created for community. We were created for one another. We were created to work with one another. The Bible says, and I didn't give them these scriptures, but the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 that we are put together in Christ. And you can actually look that up. I think it's 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12. But it's talking about the way that, that in Christ we're actually put together and we become members of one another. So we are, we are made to become together in Christ. In Ephesians 2, verse 21 and 22, it says that we are joined together, and I'm quoting that. It literally says you're joined together and you are built 
together or being built together in Christ. In uh, Ephesians chapter 4 verse 16, it says that you are joined together and you are held together in Christ. But I'm quoting the, the words here, joined and held and together. That actually comes from there. And then in Colossians 2 19, it says that you are nourished together. In other words, the way that you get fed and the way that you get the nourishment you need for growth is by being together. It says that you are knit together. Those that are in the Monday night prayer doll class will know knitting. What does it look like when you knit something? You take strands of different types of yarn and you yoke them together and you intertwine them together in some way that it forms a stronger bond. And so no matter where in the Bible you read, it will always say that in as far as Christians go, that it is meant for them to be together. You never read, however, about lone rangers in the Bible. Never. When you see get into heaven, you don't read anywhere about um, solos. You never, you never hear of somebody coming up and doing a solo special. Not saying there's anything wrong with that. Here, I'm just saying that everywhere that you see that God talks about how we interact with one another, it's always together. And so that lets me know that the truth of the matter is, I'm going to say Christian growth is very hard, if not impossible, by yourself without being yoked together with other believers. So many times I've heard it said and even said it myself. You don't have to go to church to be a Christian. You've heard that said. You maybe even have said it before. And this is partly true depending on how you define church. For example, this morning, this is not your church. This is not your church. You don't come to this church. You know why this is not your church? You know why you don't come to this church? Because you are the church. The church comes when you show up. See, so here's the truth. Yes, it is true that you don't have to come to this building to be a Christian. But I would argue that the scripture does say indeed that if you are a genuine Christian of genuine faith, then you will become part of the church because you are the church. So it's important you understand that this morning. I don't preach and minister at the church. I preach and minister to the church. And so we do to one another. And so I've heard people say that I love Jesus and I believe the Bible, but I don't love the church. You ever heard that before? I've heard people say that I love Jesus, but I just don't love, I just don't love those people. And you know, to a certain degree, I get that. Amen? Amen. Figured I might get a few out of that. <laughs> to a certain degree, I get that. Because here's the thing about it. We don't want to deal with the drama. We don't want to deal with the, with, with the, uh, the struggles that everybody has. And we don't want to deal with, with everybody else's flaws and what we would call their nonsense and their stupidity and their ignorance. Ain't it the truth, though? And so we, we, we don't want to have to deal with any of that. So we look around and we say, listen, I love Jesus. And I love the, the Bible. But I just don't 
love the church. I just don't love the people. So my response to that is, so you love Jesus, but you don't love the ones that he died to save? So you love the Bible and you believe the Bible, but you refuse to do what it says to love one another? I want to read an article to you uh, I was studying. It was a, um, a devotion I was doing yesterday. It comes from Keith Welton. He's the pastor of uh, some Baptist church in Alpharetta, Georgia. <clears throat> but he was talking about, the title of it is this, Every Good Church is Messy. Every good church is messy. As a matter of fact, let me say this before I go much further. If uh, you ever find the perfect church, please don't join it. Let, let me tell you why, though. Because the moment you do, you're going you're gonna to mess everything up. Every good church is messy. Here's what he said. He said, loving, lovable people is easy. Let me say that one more time. Y'all need to get this, okay? I may not even get to my message this morning, but you need to at least get this. Loving, lovable people is easy. Associating with unlovable people in unlovable situations will always make us marvel at the love of Christ. Now you think about this for just a minute in your life. Someone that is unlovable in your eyes. Someone that has hurt you. Someone that has, has done you wrong. And someone that you have been so angry with that you could have literally choked them or at least held them underwater until the last bubble went boop. You know, that everybody got that person, right? All right. That is the way that you were to God only on a very small scale. The Bible says, while you were yet sinners, while you were yet an enemy of God, Christ died for you. So let me read this one more time. Associating with unlovable people in unlovable situations will always make us marvel at the love of Christ. It forces us to grow in knowing and sharing that love. In the mess, we will find beautiful displays of forgiveness, of compassion, of humility and reconciliation. These never would have been seen apart from the mess. I love Jesus. I just don't want to be in the mess. Let me tell you something. It's in the mess that you actually get to be Christ-like and be like Jesus. I'm happy for you this morning if you have been a part of this church and you've had to go through a hurt and a struggle and a pain from somebody and you're still here. Because that means that somewhere along the way you either showed Christ's likeness or you've still got it suppressed down deep so much that it won't be long before you're going to leave. But loving lovable people, that's easy. Here's the way Jesus put it. Do you greet only those who greet you? Do not even the tax collectors and sinners do that? But if you greet and love those who don't love you back, then you are being Christ-like. You know, and that's the thing about it this morning. I pray that you understand that the church is tough. It is. But it is in the church that we get to actually display the greatness of God. Please get that in your head. 
Because somewhere along the way, even if it's not this church, somewhere in some gathering of believers, someone is going to do something that is going to upset you. Alright? I'm not trying to be demeaning this morning. I've been that guy. Alright? I've been that guy at some of y'all sitting out there right now as your pastor that I wanted to get my hands around your neck until your eyes started bulging just a little bit. I've been that guy. And I've had to be that guy that shows forgiveness, that shows kindness, that shows compassion, that shows love. But you know, the way I did it, I didn't do it to forcefully do it. The way I do it is by marveling at the fact of the way that Jesus loves me. And how in the world can I continue to contain those kind of feelings and those kind of emotions when I know what He has done for me? Loving lovable people is easy. But loving the unlovable in unlovable situations, now that's where the love of Christ is shown. That's where you see growth. That's where you see where you really develop in Christ-likeness. Some believe they can get church from the TV, from the internet, or the river, or the golf course, or the deer stand. How many of you have been that guy that said, my church is in the deer stand? Nobody wants to admit it, but I've been there. There you go. All right. See? I was there. My My church is in the deer stand. My church is in the river. My church is on the golf course. That's where I get closest to God at. And here's the truth. You can experience worship and be spiritually fed from all these places. But that is not what the Bible means when it talks of being together as a church and actually growing in your faith and in Christ. The church is the body of gathered believers for accountability in their growth, for responsibility in their growth, for involvement in their growth both personally and for others and for the kingdom of God. That's the church. It's not a building. It's not a structure. It's a living organism of gathered believers. So this morning I pray that you recognize that the truth of the matter is, yes, you can go to church. You cannot go to a building and still be a Christian. But I believe that the Bible would teach you that you're not going to not be a part of the gathered believer somewhere and be a Christian. When the Bible talks about the church, it's referring to either the universal one church made up of all the believers in the world or it's talking about the local assembly of believers. For instance, in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 2. If Ralph can get that up there for me. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 2. To the church of Corinth, that, to the church of God that is in Corinth, and here's who the church of God is, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints together with all those who in every place call upon the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and ours. So here's what you see in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. The Apostle Paul starts off talking about the believers in Corinth. And he says all these church, all these people who we call the church of God are the ones that are sanctified in Jesus Christ, the ones that are called by God to be saints in Jesus Christ, and they're called to be saints together with all the other believers in all the world 
So he's either talking about the local assembly of believers or the larger assembly of believers or then the whole assembly of believers in the world. But no matter where he's talking about the church, he's talking about either the universal whole church or the local assemblies. For instance, uh, go with me to Galatians 1 verse 2 for lack of time. I'm going to skip over some stuff. Galatians chapter 1 verse 2. It says, And all the brothers who are with me to the churches of Galatia. He's not talking about buildings. He's literally talking about the gathered bodies of believers in all the places where they may gather. So here again, he's talking about the churches being the local assemblies. And again, I've got scripture after scripture to back that up. If you want them, come see me. But if you're in Christ, believing by faith, if you're redeemed and you're saved, you are automatically a part of the universal church, the one true church. And it is assumed when you look at scriptures that you will be an active part of the local assembly of believers. But here's the key. You actually have to submit yourself to one of those. You don't have to do anything except, except believe by faith to be in the universal church, to be called with all the saints. But in order to be a part of the local assembly, you actually have to get up and go. You actually have to submit yourself to it. You actually have to commit to it. You actually have to decide to be a part of it. So my, my question I want to answer this morning, does the Bible command church membership in the sense that we submit and commit ourselves to a specific local body of believers? Does the Bible command that? Is that biblical that you come before this church and that you ask to become a member of this church? And the answer first no, not explicitly. Or in other words, there's no word-for-word word command of thou shalt go before the local body of believers and ask to be accepted in the fold there. There's no word-for-word word command. However, it is commanded implicitly. Now what I mean by that is it's implied all over the Scriptures. And we're going to look at some of those here in just a minute. So here's some way it's implied. First way comes from Matthew chapter 18, verse 15 through 17. The church is to discipline its members. Matthew chapter 18 verse 15 it says, If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. But if he does not listen, take one or two others along with you that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to who? The church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. Now here's the thing about it. If there is no membership in a local church, how do you define who's to take care of this matter? Do we just go out and, and, and yell for some Christians and say, y'all come together because we've got a matter that has to be taken care of? No, the truth of the matter is church discipline was put in place and nobody likes to talk about this. Nobody. But let's just be honest. How many of you need discipline in your lives? How many of your children need discipline? What happens to your children if they go with absolutely no discipline? <laughs> Nick said we get what we got today. <laughs> He ain't lying. 
If you don't discipline the children, they grow up to be spoiled brats that have no respect for authority whatsoever and they only do what is in their heart to do and they have no concern for nothing else. Here's the thing about it. Just because you're adults don't mean that spiritually you're not the same way. Spiritually, the truth of the matter is, unless we humble ourselves when the Word of God speaks to us, we can't stand it when somebody tells us we're doing something wrong, can we? There have been so many people in this congregation today that I've had to go personally to because they were living in sin in some way and sit down with them lovingly to say, Hey, listen, you're a Christian. I'm a Christian. I'm your pastor. I'm your brother. But this is what you've got going on. This is where I see that you're at. And at first, whenever I go to them to do that, I see this wall that comes up. I do. I see this wall that comes up. But then after they finally see that I'm not there to judge them or to say I'm better than them, but I really am there because I love them and I can't continue to just watch them stay in their sin. One of the things that I've seen, I can literally watch that wall start to crumble down. And most of the time, if they will humble themselves... They'll stop, they'll listen, and before that conversation is over, we never have to get to the second step of even going to getting two or three more. Never have to go there. But because we need discipline in our lives, the Bible says that if a brother has offended you or if you are, see a brother caught up in sin, our responsibility is to go to them and tell them their fault between you and them alone. But here's the thing about it. If there were no membership implied in this, then the truth of the matter is we could just gather any group together you want and they, they, can, they can listen to it and make a decision on it. There has to be something that determines who is actually in the fold and who is not in the fold. And that is determined in the local church. So you have membership implied in the local church because discipline exists in the local church. I'm not going to try to rush this. This is an important lesson. I'm going to finish this up next week. Is that okay? I want to end this morning right now. Because if I get going right now, we're going to be here a while. All right? So let's end it with this. Let me ask you a question. If everybody were as committed to the local church as you are, would you want to be a member of that church? Or let me ask this question. What would the local church be like? You know what, I, I, even though they take some time, I love announcements like we had this morning where the prayer doll class comes up and they actually tell you, here's what God's doing in this class. And, and things that y'all probably had no clue. How many of this morning had no clue they did the things they were talking about this morning? No clue. That's what is going on from this body of believers, from this local body, things like that. That kind of love is being shown to the suffering. Guys, that's what the body of Christ does. I'm tickled to be a part of a group that has things like that going on. But let me ask you this. How many of you, if this church was determined by the commitment that you display? What kind of church would this be? And would you even want to be a member of it?
So I'm asking you this morning, before I even prove to you biblically that membership is biblical, I hope that I don't have to prove to you that being a part of a local congregation and being together with the body of Christ is biblical. And if it is, what part are you playing in it? Now listen, let me say this. Yes, there's a time for you to sit and grow. There is, absolutely. There's a time for you to, to sit and feed and to just, to just be fed. But you also know that there are opportunities and there are times for you to step up and serve. But here's the problem with most of us. Let's just be honest. We're lazy. We're selfish. I like my couch. I got a pretty nice remote control. Clicks good. I got some toys. Went and got me a new motorcycle the other day. Man, I can't wait to get on that thing and just go. Matter of fact, if the Lord would have let me away with it this morning, I might would have skipped out on y'all and went riding. <laughs> I am lying. <laughs> but here's the thing about it. There are things that are so much more important than a motorcycle that's going to fade away. That's right. Is it wrong for us to enjoy couches and TVs and remotes and to enjoy the things of this world? Absolutely not. But when those things take a priority over serving and growing in the kingdom of God, we've got problems. So I'm asking you, and I'm even talking to some of y'all this morning that think you're too old to do anything. Let me tell you something. Moses didn't even get started till he was 80. Most of the people you look at in the Bible, God didn't even try to use them until they done got to a point to where they were bodily no good anymore. The Bible literally called Abraham good as dead. That's what the Word of God says about Abraham. He was good as dead before God ever came to him and said, Now you're ready. And the truth of it is, that's what it takes for some of us. We have to get to that point to where the truth of the matter is bodily, we're good as dead. Right. And then God says, okay, now I can use you. Now I can use you. So I'm asking you this morning, just very simply, we'll close with this question. If this church looked like the commitment that you put into it, what kind of church would it be? And what would it look like? And would you want to be a member of that church? And if you can't answer yes to that, I pray that there's a self-evaluation that goes on that says, God, as the video showed this morning, what's my call? Everybody ain't called to go to Guatemala. Everybody ain't called to be a preacher. Everybody ain't called to be a teacher. But let me tell you something. There's an opportunity for you to serve somewhere that God is calling you to. And all you got to do is put your laziness aside and love him enough to say, God, I, I, I want to serve for something that's lasting, <laughs> not something that fades away. And find the door that he opens for you and get in. Maybe you don't see it this morning. Maybe you can't find it. But let me ask you this. Are you even looking? Open your eyes and let's start looking as a church to see, God... This is a local body that belongs to you. And our job is to be the hands and feet of Jesus Christ. Am I helping that or am I hurting that? 
And if you can't say that I'm doing something to help the body of Christ reach out and help the suffering and reach the lost and love on people, then I ask you to evaluate yourself this morning and you ask God to start showing you a place to where you can just step up and serve. Man, we need Sunday school teachers. We need Wednesday night teachers. You know, I'd love to eventually one day see the van ministry get back going again. But you know that the reason I ain't asked is because the truth of the matter is, I just hate to ask somebody to have to get up an extra hour early on Sunday morning. Wouldn't that be a shame for somebody to have to do? It'd be terrible, wouldn't it? I'd love to see the prison ministry get back going again. There are so many opportunities for us to be stepping out and serving the kingdom of God as the body of Christ. And so I want to ask you, where do you fit in this thing? What door do you see that you can do? And maybe you're like Moses right now. You, you all stuttering. I can't talk. But let me tell you what God's looking at you saying right now. Ain't I the one that made you? Ain't I the one that made your mouth? You can do anything that He calls you to do. The question is, are you seeking Him and are you asking Him, God, where is it that you would have me serve? I ain't had nobody come to me in a while say, Pastor, where can I serve at? Matter of fact, last time I checked, Eddie, I think we had to go to everybody else and ask them, do you still want to do this? And they look at you and go, well, if nobody else wants to do it, well, that's a good one, ain't it? If the church was as committed as you, what kind of church would it be? Y'all stand this morning. <clears throat> I'm going to have all kind of van drivers this morning. No, I mean, I think you understand what I'm saying. I'm not trying to guilt you into anything. That's not my goal this morning. That's not. I'm trying to tell you that we're not here for no reason. Y'all know that, right? You get that. We're here to serve, not to be served. We're here to actually find the place that God has for us so that we can build on something that lasts. Not on all these... We spend our life on all these temporary things. You know it? And again, they're good to be enjoyed. They're blessings from God. They're gifts of His grace. That's okay. But... Why do we waste our lives away on all the things that are just fading away? Why aren't we investing ourselves into the service of the kingdom of God and, and the calling that He has on our life and at least seeking, God, what is the calling that you have for me? It may be just to drive a van. I don't know. But I'm telling you, there's a place for you to serve in the body of Christ somewhere. And I pray that if you're a part of this church, that you're looking for that.